Gospels, chapter 26, and verse number 15. Second Chronicles, chapter 26. Just one verse right now. <clears throat> verse number 15. And he made, this is the he that we're talking about here, is Uzziah. Uzziah, the king, is the same Uzziah that we hear of in Isaiah chapter 6. If you remember that uh, famous passage, it's uh, in, the, in the year that King Uzziah died. Well, this is when he was living, when he was reigning. This is the King Uzziah. It says, and he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks, to shoot arrows and great stones withal, and his name spread far abroad. Now, this is just the tail end of the previous verses, which speak of all of the things that he's done. He's just done so many things. God blessed him in so many ways, provided for him, blessed the nation, gave them victory, allowed them to have great conquests. And this is the end of it. <clears throat> and the Bible says here, for he was marvelously helped. You know what? If it ended right there, it would be wonderful. Because he was. He was marvelously helped from heaven. But it goes on, and finishing the thought, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Oh boy. And that kind of shows a little bit about what, ha what happened in Uzziah's life. And we're going to be uh, going over that in just a little bit. So let's stop here and pray. Ask the Lord's blessings. Lord, thank you so much. For this, your word, I pray that you help us to gain, help us understand. Lord, it's a simple message here this morning, but Lord, it's so very important. We, we pray that you would just enable us to um, uh, hear your word, to take our place, uh, understand our, what our place is, and also to uh, give you honor and glory, and, and uh, uh, Lord, to recognize your goodness in our hearts, in our lives, in our families in our nation, in our church. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand where the blessings come from, but then not to ever become independent of you as King Uzziah did. Lord, I pray that you just bless in and, and, uh, the lessons here through your word. We pray that you'd be with us in these next few moments. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> as we continue with Jehoshaphat's line, if you remember the whole uh, series here, Jehoshaphat's legacy, we started with uh, I guess, four generations prior to this king, King Jehoshaphat. And he kind of sowed the seeds of destruction in his own kingdom and with his own family by the compromises. And so we saw his legacy and how that Jehoshaphat followed the Lord but kind of ignored some things in the Lord's instructions, which really hurt him and uh, was, was uh, an awful uh, uh, fruit of that pathway. And then we saw... Uh, his son, what happened to his son, and then his grandson, where um, he uh, was put on the throne because of, or he was enabled to be protected by David's past victories of all the shields and the spears and the, and the swords that David had won and put in their trophy case in the temple. And so we saw that message about the trophies with his grandson. And then we saw later on in Joash's life where he had training wheels on him and, and he was directed by others that were around him uh, until those training wheels came off. And then we saw a couple of weeks ago cutting your losses with 
his son. And then last week we looked at agreeing with the government, with Uzziah's dad. And when the law of the land is not in sync with God's laws, we need to stand and stand against and we take some tough stands, but it's necessary to stand against nonetheless if there are laws that go contrary to what God says. And we looked at that last week. So today we're going on to Jehoshaphat's great, great grandson, I believe it is, Uzziah. That's the fourth generation from our subject. This is the same Uzziah mentioned, as I said, in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We're actually going to be continuing with the thoughts next week there in that passage. We're going to be looking at that event and Isaiah's response to Uzziah's death. And it was significant that he was talking about this king and the things that happened in Uzziah's life. And and we'll we'll be uh, uh, kind of reviewing those here this morning. And that was significant. That was the springboard for next week's message about what happened to Isaiah when he saw the Lord in that year of a great tragedy when Uzziah died. Uzziah is a great example of a person's interaction with the Lord. Second um, Chronicles 26, verse number 3, is when he was placed on the throne. The Bible says 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He started out good. A young man, 16, can you imagine? A 16-year-old king had such power. But he, he took the good example of his father, that is, when Amaziah, his father, did right, because his father Amaziah was a mixed bag, you remember? Um, he was the one that did right and did good, but then got his nose uh, kind of crossways with, uh, with uh, uh, the Lord and uh, worship and kind of took too much upon himself. And so <coughs> Uzziah, his son, he kind of took from the good example of his dad, at least the, the times that his dad was uh, serving God and giving a, a good example, telling him what to do. And so as a young man <clears throat> at 16, he had high ideals. He had pure motives, unselfish ways. He was paying attention to those who were training him and uh, leaving good example for him. And by the way, let me say this. Teens can be the, the greatest spiritual force of the church. They really can because in the life of a teenager, they can actually have a walk with God and a commitment to God that is exemplary, that is uh, uh, um, good for anybody to observe and follow. They can have a commitment as a, as a teenager, as a young person. They can pursue the truth. They can, and they usually do have high aspirations. By the way, we have some great young people, and I, I think this church has, has uh, got a lot of young people that are just got such great potential. We want to have them stay in that, in that pathway. We want to have them stay in that, uh, in that realm and that attitude of serving the Lord. 
But notice the word, wording in verse number 5 of our chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Look at verse number 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. It goes on, but while it's not emphasized right here, we see later that he was like Joash with the training wheels of Jehoiada. You remember that example. Here, as long as Zechariah was around, and Zechariah was the, the, the spiritual leader, he, he understood the work of God and the, and the word of God and what God was doing. And so as long as the full influence of Zechariah was around, he was fine. He was good. But folks, you got to have a spiritual life of your own. Let's stop right here and just kind of emphasize that. Who is it that brought you into faith? Who is it that you followed to the pathway to find Jesus? A lot of times it's a, a mom or dad or grandmother or, or a, a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a friend that you knew that was in Christ and a, strong, a, a great bold witness and, and you came to know Christ because of that. And It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to follow that and to, to have the, those kind of people around and those kind of spiritual strengths and, and supports. But what about you? Where are you, where's it going to go from here? Are you a spiritual strength? Are you what your grandkids need? Are you what your friends really need? To have somebody that loves God, somebody that's serious about the Lord. You've you got to have a spiritual life on your own. Teens. You know, um, you know we're talking about the commitment that you can have and, and how that... A teenager can really be, I mean, make some great decisions that, that change their life from that point on and, and uh, uh, follow some great pathways. And teens can, can, can be great spiritual leaders or they can kind of just kind of mark time. You're not making decisions on your own. You're just kind of following. The, you're, you're, you're here in church because, you know, dad would kill me if I wasn't in church, you know, or, you know, mom wouldn't have it. You know, I would get fed if I didn't obey, you know, follow the rules, you know, and whatever, you know. And so there are certain things that are kind of, uh, they're, they're spoken for me. But what about your spiritual uh, life? And, and children, for that matter. You know, the Bible says that even a child, by his doings, is known whether or not they're kind of like on the Lord's side or not. Even a child. And, and you know what? Everybody has to have a spiritual life of their own. Looking at the church, what about the, the college and career? Now, let, let me go ahead and, and uh, mention the college and career class, okay? Those that are in that category, that age, that you know, age in life, maybe it's before you got married, um, or you're going to be getting married, and, and uh, it's after you're uh, no longer a child or a, a teenager in the youth department and following somebody else's rules, pretty much doing what you're... Hey, listen, I've seen in college career classes a, a, a tremendous dearth of spiritual uh, sustenance. Hey, what about those, that category? But what about you in, in that age group to stand up and be the leader and, and uh, learn and, and start harnessing some things for the Lord to do something for, for Christ? Hey, you need to be your own spiritual uh, strength. You need to have a spiritual life on your own. How about the young marrieds? 
And you know what? We've got a great young marriage department here in this class. That, that's really neat. That's really cool. When, when folks come to visit and they, and they see young people and there's little kids around, that's always the life of the church. But that shows some, some health and it shows some, some strength. And, and thank the Lord. But hey, listen, young marrieds, who do you think the next leaders are? Who do you think the next pastor is going to come from? Who do you think the next Sunday school teachers and missionaries and, and, and leaders in the community and at your job or in your government or in your society, hey, who do you think that uh, will be, will be uh, taking on the responsibility? It's you folks. You need, but you need to have your own spiritual life. You can't be propped up by somebody else, by somebody else that's encouraging you all the time and, and telling you what you need to do. Hey, what about you? And those kids that are following in your footsteps that now you have and that they're following you to, to uh, church. What about the older uh, uh, folks in the church? Boy, I tell you what, what a need. What a need we have to, to have a spiritual walk on our own. You know, we're talking about leaning on other people, and sometimes it's easy. And especially women, or sometimes wives, can very much depend upon the spiritual walk of the husband. Well, because he's supposed to be the spiritual leader. Isn't that right, preacher? Yeah, I guess so. He is the, the leader in the home. I know today, that's almost like cuss words, you know, saying that the man is the leader of the home. But folks, the man is the leader of the home, okay? A, a, a home with two heads is a monstrosity. That doesn't mean that uh, the head doesn't need the heart or the liver or the kidneys or whatever else, you know. It's all needed, but you've got to have one direction and there's one responsibility. And I understand that, but because the man is and, and takes that place of leadership, sometimes a wife can just kind of fall back and allow him to be everything spiritually. No. You need to be a spiritual leader in your own right. You need to have some spiritual strength on your own. What about that? Are you always leaning on somebody else? Okay, let's talk about husbands now. We've got some great spiritual wives in this church. Wives that, are, that, are, that do follow the Bible and do pay attention and, and they are conscientious and they, they are godly and, and, and they do listen to the Lord. And you know what? Sometimes a husband just kind of follows along there, you know? I've been door knocking before and have a track to hand to somebody and say, hey, I want to invite you to, to uh, church. And, and you know what? There's something right on the back of that that's got some Bible verses. Oh, uh, my wife's, let me call my wife. She's interested in that stuff. No, no, what about you? To actually be the spiritual leader of the home. And, and guys, I want to say this. It is hard, it is tough when you got a spiritual Mahatma Gandhi as your wife. You know what I mean? Uh, because... I mean, they know the Bible, and they, they're out there. You don't have to try to, you know, pull them away from ungodliness because they're there, you know. And, and, and it's, it's hard to be. But listen, you can't be the spiritual uh, leader if you're not up to par. And it's very easy. It's very easy to kind of lean on somebody in your home. Sometimes it's a parent with a child, and the child is spiritual. And, man, that kid is going to follow the Lord, and, and mom and dad just kind of go along. Hey, what about you being the spiritual leader? If there's somebody around you who is spiritually strong, praise God, but what about you? What about your life? What about you listening to God? What about you getting your prayers answered? You need to have your prayers answered. 
especially if you have a forceful spiritual person or loved one around you. See, God is interested in developing each and every one of his children, not just the, the Sunday school teacher or the pastor or the deacon or n- not just the one who is the leader in some way. No, all, every one of his children. See, he'll bring you to a, ple- a testing place sometimes of removing those supports. Then where are you? And such is the man that we're looking at today, Uzziah. Started out really good. And it says, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. Thank the Lord for that. But was it all Zechariah's strength that he was gaining from? And notice also the last uh, phrase of verse number five. Look at it. It says, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Wow, what a great truth. We can't go on without looking at that and preaching right here for just a little bit, okay? What a clear and applicable verse that is true for anybody at any time of your life. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That can be said of you. That can be said of me. As long as she sought the Lord, God made her to prosper. As long as he went God's way, God blessed him. See, we don't ever get to attain to some spiritual club or some understanding that is permanent. No matter what we do, whether we follow the Lord or not, hey, I've attained, I've, I've uh, 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 come up to a certain uh, uh, echelon spiritually, and forever I'm there, and, and get you know, returns from forevermore because I've, I've, I'm in that club. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter what God used you to do in the past. And sometimes people are always falling back on the past. They've got this wonderful memory of the good old days. Oh, man, God did this, and God was so uh, clear to me here, or God blessed here, God answered this prayer. When? It's like 37 years ago. Wait a minute. What about today? What about me? What about where I'm at today? Hey, the, the phrase is true. As long as he sought the Lord... God made him to prosper. <clears throat> you see, you walk with him and he blesses. That's what it says. You walk with him today and he blesses you today. You depart and you'll need to be chastened. Child of God, by the way, I understand that this message is, is preaching to the choir. You know, the choir that was over there, now you're over there. I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm talking about Christians. And a lot of times on Sunday morning, we'll, we'll make salvation real clear. Sorry, th- this is not a, a message on salvation. It needs to be sometimes, uh, and, and we need to have that. But, you know, I'm talking to believers. This is, this is a message to you and me. You depart, and you'll be chastened. First John 1 John 1.6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. It's talking about believers. You can walk in darkness. You can depart. You can not uh, uh, fulfill what God intends for you to fulfill. Be what God intends for you to be. If we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's talking about a believer walking in the light today, walking from day to day, walking from step to step. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as we're walking with the Lord, you know what? That's the place of blessing. That's where God comes through. So you've walked with him before. Amen. So you've stepped out in faith once or twice in your life and thank the Lord for that. That's wonderful. So you've been used by him for something in the past that doesn't guarantee your prosperity today. You see, you need daily bread today. That's what Jesus told us to pray for. Pray this way. Give us our daily bread from day to day. Every day you need God coming through. Every day you need him to be real to you. Every day you need him to prosper. Every day you need an answer from him. Every day you need his his specific guidance. You need that today. Walking with him today brings blessings today. Careful if all you have are memories of sweet times with the Lord gone by. Hey, 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 what about today? What about me here What a great verse. As long, what does it say? As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Well, let's let's finish that the story here in in that chapter. Got quite a bit to read, but let's let's read through this guy's life and and find out a little bit about him, what what happened. In 2 Chronicles 26, we were read the first five verses. Let's start from verse number six and go down through verse number 15. It says, And he went forth. And warred against the Philistines, and break down the wall of Gath, and the wall of uh, Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and built cities. It goes on, verse 7. And God helped him against the Philistines. It says he fought the Arabians, and uh, the Mahunans, and others. God blessed him in those wars. Verse 8. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad, even to the entering of in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Man, this guy was blessed. Man, this guy walked with the Lord. I mean... I, it, this, was, this was a windfall time in his life. This was a blessing time in his life because he was following the Lord. He was doing what God said. God blessed him. God prospered him. God protected them in war. God, God uh, had his prosperity, his, his popularity to increase. Verse 9, moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem. And he goes on and talks about what he built. Verse 10, he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains. Verse 13, go down to verse number 13. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Boy, this guy was strong. He had a great army. Verse uh, 14, And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and habergans and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones with all. We're talking about like catapults. This is interesting. I mean, if you, if you have any kind of, uh, 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 every time I, I, I deal with anything that has to do with, with uh, military, Where's Rick? He's here someplace. Right there, yeah. <laughs> An old Marine. And, I, and he says, you like those stories about the war and about you know, battles? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh. Or no, no, he goes, oh. Or however he says it. <laughs> and that's, this, guy was, this guy was a man of war. God blessed him in all of these conquests. Look, look at how he was blessed. Verse 15 goes on to say, and his name spread far abroad. For he was marvelously helped till 
What an awful word. Put it right in there. Till. Till he was strong. Wow, you see, so many advances, so many helps for, for uh, um, I was going to say Jehoshaphat, for Uzziah. I mean, so many advances. I mean, this king was, was blessed. He was, he was prosperous. He had strength, riches, peace, popularity. It was almost a national utopia. I mean, God blessed the entire nation because of him. He indeed was marvelously helped. He was helped by heaven. God was on his side. He was blessed and he was protected and he was advancing till he was strong. Oh, no. What a bummer. Pride gets this man. Independence from God sets in. Where, you know, he's so strong and he's so blessed and God did so many things for him. He's kind of like, okay, God, I got this one now. I don't need you here. I can handle it from here. We're, we're strong enough. We're, we, we're wealthy enough. We're prosperous enough. We're safe enough. Okay, we don't need you, God, now. And so, till he was strong, and then all of a sudden, he, he begins to, to get independent from God. He begins to believe the newspapers about how great he is and what a wonderful leader he is and, and uh, how smart they are and how invincible they've become. When you read the rest of the story, look at verse number 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now let me stop right here and just explain something. See, God had, had identified his worship and how the worship should be taken, uh, uh, filled out and, and uh, uh, played out. And who was, were the players and who was allowed in the temple to do the, the uh, offering of the incense and in the, in the, the uh, sacrifices and in the worship and in all, uh, you know, uh, uh, presenting themselves before the Lord? It was the priests. The priests were called. They were, were out of the, the uh, house of Levi and they were to prepare themselves. There was a, a vast preparation for these priests and they had to go through the schooling and they had to go through the, the, the uh, instruction of what to do and, and the garments to wear and how to, to offer the sacrifices and everything about the, the utensils of the, of the temple and the, and the incense and the presentation and everything else. That was the priest's job. They were consecrated for that. It wasn't the king's job. The king was not allowed there but you know, here for some reason, I mean, he's so familiar with God, he's so familiar with the Lord's blessings in his life, <clears throat> that he decides, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and offer incense. But that wasn't his job. Wait a minute. That wasn't, by the way, you know what, God tells us how to worship him. We're going over in Sunday school about the Lord's Supper and about things that, you know, God tells us what to do. And because as a church, we're, we're preparing for that, the membership of the church to partake of the Lord's Supper. And uh, it's not like free-for-all. It's not like whatever you think and I think. And Well, let's vote on it. No, we don't vote on it. This is what God says. God has specifically identified, this is how you worship. This is how you worship me. This is the attitude that you're to have. This is what is, is, is supposed to happen. Back in the Old Testament, very clearly, God gave the blueprint. In the New Testament, God says, that, and there's things that are written, so that we might know how to behave ourselves in the house of God, which is the church of God, the, the, the pillar and the ground of the truth. It's the, it's the church of God that we're, we're instructed on. It's not our idea. 
Everything that we do around here, we do to try to follow a direct command of God or an inference to a principle of Scripture. We want to follow the, the Bible. This is not something that we, we like I said, we vote on. Well, let's, let's all vote. How many want to do this? And then we'll just go ahead and do that. We don't do that here because it's been given to us, the instruction that God gives us. Well, here, God laid out with a, a temple service. The, the priests were supposed to uh, uh, offer the incense, and here the king says, hey, hey, move over. I'm doing this. I can do this. I've got the power. I've got the popularity. I've got the, 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 the might and, the, and the, the wherewithal behind me. I know, I know all these things. I'll do it. And so it says, he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the, the altar of incense. And, and notice, this is what God identifies as his transgression. Lifted up to his destruction here. For he transgressed this way. He said he was going to do that. Look at verse 17. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord. There's 80 priests that were valiant men. Hey, these, these had to be bold to, to oppose the king, to try to get in the king's face and to stop him, saying, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. You don't have the authority to do that. And they were, they were valiant men, verse 18. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, it appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the son of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. And he didn't stop here and say, oh, you're right. You know what? That is the way that God had ordained this. God was very clear. He laid it out. He didn't stop there. He didn't consider what they said. No, no. He had an attitude of pride. And he's, who do you think you are talking to the king that way? That's what basically he said. That's in Hebrew. It says here, verse 19, Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the, the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And you've you got to understand about leprosy here that, in that context. Once you get it, you're a dead man. There hadn't been anybody cured of leprosy from Miriam, not until the time of Christ comes you got leprosy, you were done. You had to go off by yourself. You couldn't even, you couldn't even stay in the, in the congregation. You had to be off into a, a leper colony to, to bide the rest, the last few miserable days that you had before you died. Verse 21, And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death and dwelt in a several house. That means a house that was severed or separate being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham's son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Wow. Wow. This guy was blessed. I mean, God was with him. God had prospered him as long as he followed the Lord. <laughs> That's what it says, doesn't it? As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And man, did God ever prosper this guy. What, what happened? He was... He marvelously helped till 
he was strong. So what was Uzziah's failure? Three things. Three things and we'll, we'll be done. Number one, his failure was taking God's provision as his own. The things that God blessed him with. Verse number 15, on into that verse, it says, For he was marvelously helped till he was strong. See, he took the things that God gave him, the provisions that God gave him, the providence that God gave him, and he, and he claimed it for himself. God blessed him so much, but he took credit for himself. He assumed his strength was self-achieved. Hey, folks, in this country, God has blessed this nation, and it's not because we're smart. It's not because we're sly. It's not because uh, it was a luck of the draw, and, and we just happened to be blessed. No, no. God bless this nation. This is one nation that has been uh, uh, established under God. And you only have to read the words of our forefathers to understand that. I know there's a rewriting of history today. I know that there's, there's a, 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 a tremendous effort to, to, to leave the, the moorings from which we were started and say, oh no, uh, this is just a, a secular nation with secular and got nothing to do with God. Excuse me, our entire judicial system, our courts are based upon the Ten Commandments found in the Word of God. This nation was established upon biblical principles. Biblical principles. And we somehow feel like we are where we are because it was self-achievement. No, no. Excuse me. You read the words of George Washington who recognized we are under the beneficent, the benevolent hand of our Creator. Don't forget where you came from or from whose hand you are blessed. And he did. He forgot that. Uzziah took God's blessings, his providence, his provision as his own, like it was his. Like it was because he was smart, because, you know, he had these uh, really cool ideas about um, catapults and strengths and building up his army and, and doing this and doing that and, and uh, uh, being prosperous. No, 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 God prospered him. As long as he walked with the Lord, God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord and he took God's provision as his, his idea. You know what? You know, I don't have time for this because I, I, this is not about his dad, but Amaziah, his dad, in the previous chapter, did the same thing. You know what, folks? Every time you see this in the scripture where one generation to the other, the, the, uh, the small failures of parents become monstrous failures in the lives of their children. That's what happened with Jehoshaphat. You remember Jehoshaphat, the, the guy that started in this legacy? He did everything that God wanted him to do, except this little one thing, and then his son, and then his grandson, and it just gets worse. And you know what? Uzziah's dad did the same thing. When God blessed Uzziah's dad, then he says, you know what? Hey, we're pretty good. We're pretty strong here. You remember when we talked about cutting your losses and, and uh, uh, the guy says, you know, hey, listen, I'm going to lose a lot. We've spent a lot for this uh, mercenary army. And, and God says, no, no, I'm able to give you victory. I'm able to do this. And so he says, okay. And he followed the Lord. God blessed him. And then he turns around and says, look at how big I am. Look at how strong we are. This is because we're... 
he's fully himself. And he died that way. We started this chapter with his death, and they were mourning his death because of that. It was the, the, the sin of his father shown up in the, in the sin of his son, except worse. He didn't take God's provision. I mean, he took God's provision as his, as his own. Number two, Uzziah's failure was he taking God's privilege for his own. Verse number 18 says, And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests. They were consecrated. They were the ones that were supposed to. They were the ones that God set up. God uh, set it up that way, made it very clear. And they said, it doesn't pertain to you. Uh, Uzziah, this is, not, this is not your business. Stay out of this. It's none of his business. God ordained and ordered his worship as he prescribed. There was a, a, a preparation of calling. There was a cleansing and a consecration that the priests went, th- went through. And he just disregarded all that. He says, hey, I'm just going to do this my own. Yeah, he was blessed, but he's not ruling over God. He's not telling God what to do, which he tried. Say, no, no, we're going to do it this way. See, folks, we don't call the shots here. We don't decide what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And we don't do that in our worship. Wooden Valley Baptist Church. It's not a church that decides we are going to decide what to do. As, you know, like many times you'll have uh, the, the uh, saddleback kind of churches, and this is what they say, you know, in, in uh, uh, getting a, a congregation that's growing. and where, this, this is what they did in California. They went down one of the largest churches anywhere. They went with a clipboard and uh, a survey saying, what kind of music you listen to? Okay, what kind of, what, what's the, the radio station that you listen to? They copied that down. Uh, how do you feel comfortable? You know, if you went to church, how, do, how would you like to come to church? Oh, they just copy that down. Uh, what would you like to see in the church? You, oh, okay, well, let's, cop, let's do And you know what? They, that's what they did. They came back and they tabulated the whole thing. Okay, this community wants this and wants this and wants this. And you know what? That's right. Let's give the community more of what it has, more of what it wants. That's what this nation needs. Isn't that right? What universe are you from? Folks, we don't do that. It's not like we don't care what people like or whatever, but we're going to do what God says. We're, this is not a, a clipboard situation where we take a survey. And what would you like to say? What version would you like for us to preach out of? Uh, what what uh, uh, teachings in the Word of God would you like to hear or maybe not hear? Hell? Okay, let's, let's take that out. Uh, uh, preacher, no more sermons on hell the rest of this year, okay? Because that's, that's uh, you know, uh, statistically, it's, it's not going to help our, you know, you know, perception in the community. We don't do that. We don't vote on what shall be preached and taught. We're bound by the whole counsel of God. Acts chapter 20, that's what Paul said. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. That's because he taught what God said. He, he spoke to the people that God told him to. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That's everything. Whatever God says, that's what we're going to be dealing with. Whatever the Bible teaches. You know what? You say, preacher, I don't like to hear you know, messages like this from the Old Testament. Okay, that's about that much of the Word of God. 
If it's in there, we're going to hear it, okay? I don't like to hear about New Testament, about, well, there it is, right there. I don't like to hear about hell. Well, actually, it's right here, and it's right here, and it's right here, it's right here, it's right here, right here, there it is. Uh, preacher, I don't like, you know what? I don't like to hear about church discipline. We're going over that in, in Sunday school and talking about what a church should do. And, and, because, boy, that's, that's something that is unpopular today. You're going to get a lawsuit. Uh, does it teach? The, does the Bible teach this stuff or does it not? It's, it's not up to the, us to decide. See, I, I've been pressured by friends to bend a little bit for this or for that. Then they become members. You know, they'd be here. If, Preacher, if you just laid off of this or that or whatever, and, 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 and everybody's got a different agenda. Everybody's got something different that, you know. You know what? If I, if I as pastor here, if I just worried about pleasing one person, we'd be okay, right? Matter of fact, if you'd be worried about just pleasing one person, not your mom, not your dad, not your brother or sister, not your pastor, the Lord, we'd be okay, all right? It's, that, that's what I'm saying. We, this is, this is a, a position that's, that's not ours to take. It's, it's, it's not our privilege. I, like I say, I, I don't have the right. Some are in the wrong place. They're in God's place. Parents sometimes try to decide for their children. You know, try to decide things like that even the kids should be deciding. You know, who, who they are, their mate, their career. Well, wait a minute. What if God wants your kid to be a missionary, to go to some God-forsaken place and, and maybe risk his life? Oh, no way, preacher, no way! Not my son, not my daughter. They're too sharp. They're too, man, they got too much on the ball. Wait, so it's your kid? Or is it God's child? Is it, is it us to decide? Are we, are we out of place? Hey, listen, are we out of place if we've decided for a career for our kids, regardless of what God says? What if, what if God wants your child to do something that was not in your plans? It doesn't matter. I've already decided. Uh, You know what? I think you're out of place. You're as out of place as this king is out of place, jumping into something that's, this is God's prerogative. Not yours. You can't be, that's privilege you can't have. You can't take. Sometimes it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or maybe a spouse who refuses for their loved one to fully consecrate to the Lord. No, no, you're not going to do that. Are you kidding me? That's embarrassing. Uh, it's not your place. It's not your place to tell anybody else what they're going to do, how to, to serve God or not serve God. Sometimes there's somebody that wants to make church in their own home, a home church situation. We're just going to have church in the house. And it always ends up to be a, a, a debacle. No authority, no called shepherd, no accountability. Just do it however you want to do it. You're out of place. Hey, listen, that is out of place. God made it, made it very, very clear that we are to submit ourselves to the, to the one who is uh, over us in the Lord. Who is that? Well, that's the pastor, and he's called. Listen, I didn't ask to do this. This is what God put me here, just like Paul said. I thank God for that he call, uh, called me, putting me into the ministry. Sometimes it's a church decides their own flavor, their own emphasis, their own outreach. 
This is how we're going to do this. We're only going to outreach to these kind of people because that's who we want. No, that's not what God said. God said to every creature that's already been decided. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And Well, we don't want to be offensive in the neighborhood, so this is how our outreach is going. Are you the one uh, calling the shots there? If, if we as a church are saying that's what we're going to do, that's what we're not going to do, we are out of place. That's not our place. That's not our position. We're, we're just as wrong as Uzziah to say, God, this is what we say we're going to do. No, no, we're out of place there. Sometimes a serving family that is outside of the authority and the direction of a church. Just come and go as you want and do whatever you want to do. I know the program is this, but this is what we do. This is what I, what I you're out of place. You're not recognizing the authority of the, of the local church, and this is what God blesses and says, hey, this is how we're going to reach the world. through." The, you know, where sometimes you might have somebody that really wants to serve and teach or help or do something in some you know, uh, area and don't come to all the services of the church. Do I, even ha- do I even have to mention this? Is this something that we have to go over? That's wrong. Well, I'm just going to do what I, I want to do. No, you can't. Folks, it's not us to decide. It's not us to tell God what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. We're, we're out of place in that kind of a, 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 a situation. We're not in God's place to do what we want, no matter how blessed we are, no matter how blessed you've become, no matter what God used you to do in the past, we follow the Lord, okay? And that's what we're going to do. So Uzziah's failures, again, number one, he took God's provision as his own. Number two, he took God's privilege for his own. He was in the wrong spot. And number three, he took God's place with his own. Then verse number 19 says, Then Uzziah was wroth, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead, and it goes on. We read that. What right did he have to get mad? He was, he was uh, um, in essence, telling God what to do, saying this is how it's going to be, and he was rejected and by the priest, and thus he was offended that he wasn't regarded. He was replacing God's will with his own deal. How dare he? How dare he come in there and say, no, this is how it's going to be? Wrong spirit, wrong attitude. He took God's place. as That was his place to, to call the shots. It's not his place. Folks, you know what we need to do? We need to pay attention to the Lord, <laughs> okay? We just need to follow him. He's, he's good, and he blesses us. And as long as we follow him, he blesses us. But let's not get strong. Let's not get independent. Let's not get, have our own ideas of what we're going to do. No, no, we follow him and the directions and, and his uh, uh, guidance. And sometimes he does step on our toes he does put us in our place. Let's not, let's not get in the wrong place, okay? Let's not fail where Uzziah failed. He transgressed here for taking God's place. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment.